Hello and welcome to Carmichael Clan Radio, the official podcast of Clan Carmichael USA. Welcome back to another episode of Carmichael Clan Radio. On today's show, I'm excited to be joined by the director and co-founder of TheReversRoad.com, Alistair Cunningham, to talk about Scotland's relatively unknown history of border reefing that began in the late 13th century and lasted until the early years of the 17th century. We also talk about how landowners during those times had to ride the marches to ensure that their lands had not been encroached upon, and how those riding traditions eventually led to the modern-day common riding traditions that can be seen during the summer months throughout the Scottish border region. According to their website, the Reavers Road was created to tempt tourists in Scotland away from the most popular destinations and into the border region of Scotland. To do this, Alistair drew on his 20 years of experience operating Scottish tours and helped to create an app which can be downloaded to provide users a GPS-activated virtual tour guide along pre-planned routes through the border region of Scotland. To learn more about The Reavers Road, visit www.thereaversroad.com. Before we get started, a reminder that the 2023 Carmichael Clan Gathering is coming up in June. If you have not yet reserved your spot, don't miss out on this fantastic opportunity to take part in a historical event in Clan Carmichael history. If you're interested in attending, you can follow the link from Clan Carmichael USA website or visit the Clan Carmichael International website at www.carmichael.co.uk. That's www.carmichael.co.uk. Also, make sure to stop by again at the Clan Carmichael USA website to learn more about how to become a member or how you can get involved in Clan Carmichael USA. If you're still not a member, we hope you'll consider joining and becoming part of one of the best clans today. Visit www.clancarmichaelusa.com to learn more. While you're there, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution to the Clan Carmichael Scholarship Fund or the Clan Carmichael Restoration Fund. Donations can be made by clicking the Donate button right at the top of the Clan Carmichael USA homepage. Your donations help support Clan Carmichael USA as we expand and grow to do even more in the future. And now, let's get started with the show. All right, so Alistair Cunningham from the Reavers Road, thanks so much for joining me today on Carmichael Clan Radio. I wanted to start with a question. I'd really never heard much about the common riding traditions in Scotland until about a month ago uh, when it was casually mentioned in an email exchange between some of the Carmichael uh, administrators and, and leadership. This topic of common ridings came up, but I'd never heard of it. And so I got to reading a little bit, found an article by Sandy Neal, and in it he had talked about how there was, you know, these common writings were, they were little seen or understood by the outside world. And I thought, well, that really must be true because I'd never heard of them up until that point. 
So I wanted to see if maybe you could talk to us a little bit, but I thought that maybe before we get into the common writing traditions that we might want to first talk about the history of these and what border reavers were. Sure. I mean, you say that, that the common writings are little, little known um, outside Scotland. They're little known on within Scotland either, in the big cities or in the highlands, where there was no tradition of, of, of common writings. Um, they're pretty well known in the borders, um, which is kind of the heart of the common writing tradition now. Lanark is a, a, a slight out, outlier, but um, they've been celebrating the common writing since... Um, uh, certainly since 1570 and probably earlier. But to return to the Reavers, um, a, a river is probably not a familiar word to many people, but it 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 uh, it comes from the same root as bereft. It really means to to to, to rob, to steal. And um, the 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 Reaving times were really in the 16th century, when Scotland was um, plagued with. Uh, a succession of child monarchs. Um, we, we first of all had um, uh, James V, and then we had uh, Mary Queen of Scots, and then we had James VI, and uh, whenever they became um, adult, uh, something went badly wrong. Either they were defeated in battle or there was a revolt or whatever. And um, the area... Uh, which were now known as the borders, which is along the English border, mm -hmm. uh, was uh, really quite loyalist. Uh, the, uh, the 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 barons were in control. They were fighting for um, for influence and for territory, and nobody was really bothered about um, the, the the people going and stealing other folks' cattle. And uh, this led to uh, the reaving. And uh, we in Scotland like to think that, that the reading was largely people going riding over the border by moonlight and driving off English cattle. But uh, the truth of the matter is that um, uh, that the readers, particularly the readers from Tuviotdale and Hoyk, they were going in every direction to um, to drive off cattle. And of course, similarly, the English were coming up here. Um, some raids were just small with half a dozen folk. Some raids were almost like a, an invading army with, with 300 people. Hmm. Uh, and it was, it was a question of survival because um, there was no law, as I say. Um, they could grow crops, but the chances were that the English would come and burn them. And so they relied on cattle. And uh, if you didn't, if you run out of your own cattle, then um, there was an obligation on the headsman of the family to go and get some cattle from somewhere else. Okay, so that was the primary target then, were livestock, so cattle? That was that was mostly what the raids were focused on? Absolutely, but they also, they also used to uh, uh, drive back um, horses and goats and occasionally people who were then used effectively as slaves or as servants. Did you, you said that the raiders were not only from the Scottish side, but also from the English side, correct? Very much so, yes. Because it was, it was a similar situation in England. I mean, England is about 400 miles long, and uh, people up on the border, 
were a long way from um, the long hand of the law. And there was a sort of common culture between the, the Scottish borders and uh, the English borders. Um, it was, I mean, they were one kingdom until Hadrian built his wall across the middle of it all. Okay. How did the groups identify themselves? Were these clan groups at the time, or was that, were they based on where you lived, or was it more family attached? Well, um, that's a big question. Um, the word clan is Gallic, and it just means children. And um, really, clans belong in the highlands, not in the borders, although um, large families were were called clans by people in Edinburgh who were complaining about the, uh, um, the, 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 the general reaving and uh, lawlessness um, in that area. Uh, and the answer to your question is that uh, there would be family groups, but there wouldn't be just one family or extended family. There would, there would certainly be other people with other names who were associated with that particular family. And unlike in the Highlands, where a clan chief would call out his clan and everybody was required to turn up and fight, uh, that was not the same in the borders. Um, uh, if, if somebody was going off on a road, then other people would be expected to come. But if they didn't, if they didn't come, then uh, that, that, that didn't really matter uh, too much. It was perhaps a slight dishonor. But um, it wasn't. It wasn't the same as the clan-based society up north, where the clan chief had a complete power. And I guess these situations in the borders, and I think you kind of touched on this. This was more about just sheer survival. You know, you had to steal from your neighbor that had maybe previously stole from you. But that was that was the name of the game here. Was just survival, correct? This is exactly it. It was raid and counter-raid. And there's a nice story of um, of Marion um, Marion Scott of uh, Dryhope Castle in Yarrow, who famously, uh, when the larder was empty, she put a pair of spurs on her husband's plate. <laughs> and that was the indication to go off and get something. Message received. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I was trying to read into this a little bit, and I saw something that I think it was called March Law. Yeah. And tell me if I'm right about this. I thought I saw something that mentioned that if you had been robbed or raided, that you could retaliate. Is that something you're familiar with? Uh, you could. There, there was something called the hot trod. You could, um, you, you could follow. You could follow your own beasts and, and, and the raiders to the, the source of the trouble. And um uh, and uh, take take the beasts back if you could. Okay. And March law, which you mentioned, was administered by the wardens of the marches, who were uh, significant people uh, appointed uh, by the monarchs on each side. Hmm. And every now and again, there would be a meeting of the wardens of the marches, and uh, complaints would be raised. And so, uh, um, some Scotsman would say, "Well, you know that chap over there, he, he did a raid on my property and, and drove off fifty beasts." And then the other would say, "Well, that's absolute rubbish because he 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 raided me first, 
And the, the rivals of the marches, one English and one Scot, had to sort this out and um, uh, and agree recompense if that was appropriate. Um, this didn't really work terribly well because uh, although the English wardens of the marches were significant sort of general-type people um, who had authority, um, the, the Scottish wardens of the marches tended to be the heatsmen of the uh, families that were actually doing the reading. And, uh, and so very often um, that th there wasn't really a, a, a very intelligent discussion, you might say. And uh, there were often scuffles on these peace days when um, problems were meant to be being sorted out. <laughs> okay. Well, the reading made it sound like a much more civil affair, but it sounds like it definitely wasn't. And, you know, so that actually, that makes me think of this word that you've mentioned several times, and I mentioned it also, just the word marches. Um, marches is referring to the border area, correct? Um, uh, not exactly. Uh, the, the the march is the, the the same word as a frontier or a boundary. Okay. And so in in the south of Scotland here, we talk about a march dike, meaning a, a stone wall which divides two properties. And the march, the the march, probably with capital T, capital M, was the uh, dividing line between Scotland and England. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I guess the phrase riding the marches is just talking about riding the boundaries or riding that border is that right yeah to, y yes now now the march is the march between scotland and england but there were marches round every 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 borough okay. um, where the borough lands ended and private property began okay that makes sense we'll talk about this practice of riding the marches then because you know there were these border raids that were taking place people stealing from each other. And so that led to, I suppose, that led to this practice of riding the marches. Yeah. So a, a little bit of history. Um, Elizabeth I of England, the Virgin Queen, died without issue, of course. And the, the, the next in line to the throne, perhaps rather strangely, was James VI of Scotland who was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. And so in 1603, James VI of Scotland rode down to England and became James I of England. And having one, um, one king over both Scotland and England meant that he and his people could come down very hard on uh, rivers on both sides. Um, and... Uh, and so that was that. That really put an end to the to the reaving in 1603. But there were still these young folk who uh, were of a kind of warlike disposition and liked riding out. And um, I, I'm I'm being a little bit cynical here, but um, that you could find a, a, um, a, 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 a an occupation for these guys by saying, look, you just head out and ride all the way around the, the, the borough lands and make sure that no one is, there are no incursions. Okay. Uh, and that was, that was the origin of it. Um, it narrowed it, well, I mean, since probably the 17th century, it's been 
it, it's been a, 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 a not the 17th century, the 18th century, really. It, it became uh, each town started to ride the marches on a specific day. Um, the, 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 in, in, in Lanark, it's the I think the first or the Thursday between the 6th and the 10th or something. Um, but originally, it just uh, the riding of the marches took place when required. And only later did a calendar emerge. And so when they were writing the marches, when this was started, the literature that I came across said that they were uh, checking neighboring landowners to make sure they had not encroached on the boundary. Were they looking to see if cattle had been stolen at that time? Or were they just checking their land to make sure people hadn't built structures on it? More to see if, if, if neighboring landowners had... Um, r- r- were running their cattle on the uh, on the borough lands, uh, or okay. later on, as as people started to enclose fields, um, were that the, the landowners enclosing fields that didn't belong to them. Okay, and so this led to the practice then of what we call today common ridings. That's right. So tell me a little bit about how those grew out of the out of riding the marches and what the common ridings are today. I'm sure they don't look anything like they used to. It looks like from what I've seen, that they're more of a celebration. Tell me about what the common ridings are today. Well, you're right. Nowadays, they're very much a celebration and a good excuse for a party and some dancing and some dressing up <laughs> and all the rest of it. In the early days, it was... It was a little bit, a little bit more sinister. People were a little bit more worried about about things going wrong, um, and there the was also a sort of a, a, a feeling that grew up that if you didn't ride the marches, then that 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 the town was in danger. And um, doing the riding of the marches, and in in, in Lanark, which um, your 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 clans associated mm-hmm. with, they they started bringing um, birch uh, twigs. Um, or uh, beams of birch um, back from the common ridings, and uh, there were other traditions in 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 other towns, and so at, at first it was just probably one day, and then it gradually grew, and particularly in the nineteenth century, um, it, it, in the nineteenth century, celebrating. Queen Victoria's Jubilee and uh, the Empire and all the rest of it, people were all feeling pretty good. I think it was 1893 that Lanark started crowning a Lanima Queen, and in Peebles we started the Belton celebrations, and in Hoyt the common riding started to uh, extend from one or two days to where it is now. uh, Hoyt is perhaps the most famous of the the common ridings, and there are you know, 14 rideouts okay. before the big day, before common riding Friday. And these rideouts now have got nothing to do with checking the common lands, of course. It's just an excuse for a, 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 a load of folk to, um, to, to, to uh, canter across the countryside and meet for a picnic, <laughs> and maybe some horse racing, um, and, 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 and then come back. And so it's... Um, yeah, it, 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 it's an excuse for a, a, a good day out, and it's kind of an endorsement of the uh, of the, the equestrian nature 
of the, the, the borderlands and the south of Scotland. That is interesting about the equestrian nature of the borderlands because, you know, reading through a little bit of the literature too, I, I saw some things about that. I previously didn't realize that equestrianism and horses were such a big part of the culture of those border towns and the border areas. Um, what would, so let's say a tourist were to come over to Scotland and attend one of the common riding festivals. I know they're all different and they're all very unique. Um, how would an American tourist get involved? Do you just show up on, is there a particular day that you show up? Are there things going on in the town or is it just the, you know, the horses that are going out? Is that where the celebration is taking place? Uh, what would this look like to someone coming over? This is a great question. And I have to say that, um, the, the, the common riding in each of these border towns was very much a town celebration, which is not, it, it, it is not an, an, an event for tourists. Now, I've been involved in tourism for the past 20 years, and this is a source of frustration to me, because if you, if you stand in the, uh, it, it, the side um, where the, the, the rideouts are going out, it's a most wonderful um, experience. Um, you get the noise, you get the smell, you get the, the, the excitement, and, and of course you get um, two or three hundred people all dressed up and all heading off in the same direction, floating a river, normally following a flag, bringing back this, that, and the other. Um, and in the morning, there are uh, there, there are um, strange things like um, in Lamech they throw buns down from some mm-hmm. uh, from the, the the townhouse or something. In Hoyt, for some reason, they throw snuff. No, they don't throw it. There's a there's a um, there's a general scuffle to see if you can get bits of snuff, which goes back to um, yeah, obviously a couple of hundred years. Um, if you're an American and you're keen to watch the common ridings, you really have to do your um, do your homework. As you rightly say, mm-hmm. you have to know when the common riding is in the town that you you you, you, want, you want to visit. And um, the the problem, to some extent, is that on the day of the common riding, the march riding, whatever it is, all the shops are going to be closed, and so you have to. You, you have to book your hotel um, in a neighbouring town, and be prepared to sort of eat there. And then you go and you 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 um you have to brief yourself um, as to the, the the right places to stand in order to see the celebrations, which are uh, which are terrific. I mean, very different in 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 each town, but um always spectacular and um yeah full of local pride and a celebration of local culture is that there was something i think it was the peebles celebration where the people were divided into i, I wrote this it's story fits and gutter bluids is that and as and that's basically people who are who are known and people who are not known or from out of town is that that's right people are born and bred peebles and people aren't yeah yeah and, yeah. and so it does sound like there's a lot of, and I guess this can trace its origins back to the border reavings and, you know, the riding the marches, but a lot of tribalism, maybe that's not the correct word, but just 
like you mentioned, it's a celebration for that town more so than anything else. Yeah, I, I, there isn't really a resentment um, of other people uh, who who aren't born and bred, but those who are born and bred, or those those who move in and 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 mm. get involved in the, the local culture, um, I, I I guess they, yeah, I mean they enjoy themselves. They're not they're not interested in putting on a show for anybody else. But the show is definitely worth seeing. Are there any kind of rivalries between the border towns having these celebrations, or is enormous rivalries? Oh, are there? Ab- ab- absolutely, enormous rivalries. I, I mean, um, between Gala and Hoik, which are the big two big border towns, for example, um, they don't hate each other, but they constantly make jokes about uh, 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 about each other, and um, yeah. Uh, yeah, enormous, enormous rivalries, um, and it goes on the crest um, from Berwick in the east to Langham in the west, uh, and they're all intensely proud of uh, their own town. But the other thing is that um, it, 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 at any builder uh, march or common riding, they invite the principals from one of the other border towns to ride out with them, hmm. and so. Um, in Lanark, for example, you'd probably get, you know, two people from Peebles, two people from um, Selkirk, two people from West Linton, wherever it is, and they're in their own their own gear, maybe with their own flag. Uh, no, they don't have their own flag, but um, they are ad- identifiable um, as being from um, the neighbouring town. And so, you know, the hand of friendship is extended even although there is uh, intense rivalry. Hmm. Do the flags play a tradition, or or do they play an important part of the celebrations also? Well, um, I'm not aware of a flag playing any role in Peebles. In Hoik, which is the biggest common riding, the flag is absolutely central. And this is a flag which was stolen from um, a group of raiders in 1514. And these raiders came from Hexham, and they were they had the banner of the Abbey of Hexham. Huh. And this was stolen by the young man of Hoyk. And uh, this, uh, this, this banner um, has been obviously um, refreshed mm-hmm. a few times over the centuries since 1514. But it is. It, it, I mean, it, to say it's sacred may not be accurate, but it's quite close to being sacred, and it is carried round the bounds by the cornet, um, and uh, then handed back to the town council for safekeeping until the next common riding Friday. Hmm. Is and you mentioned that the principals are they, that they're involved. Tell me who the principals. I know they change every year, but would it be one of the principals that would carry the flag in that particular celebration? Yes. Well, the the way that um, the the number of different different names um, in, uh, in 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 Hoyk it's the Cornet, in Duns it's the it's the Reaver, in Melrose it's the Melrosian, and um, whoever it is, it's it's a young man um, who is chosen. 
in, in, in various different ways um, to, to, to represent the town. But he has to be... He has to be competent in a number of ways. And that he, first of all, he's got to be a competent horseman. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he's got to be able to dance because there's always there's always a, a, a cornet's reel or something in the high street. Uh, thirdly, he's got to be able to make some sense because you'll have to make a you'll have to make a, a, a speech. And it has got to be. Um, I don't know about all the other. I don't know about all the other towns, but um, in many. Uh, he has to be unmarried, and in in every town he chooses a lass, um, and the lass is you know uh, uh, doesn't accompany him on horseback, but um, supports him outside the time when he's um, on horseback. Okay, hmm. is there a? And it, you're you're brave to take on an interview like this for celebrations that are all so different, but is there a typical age that that one that that principal might be is it a younger person or does it does it not matter yeah you see it's always in the late 20s early 30s something like that okay just someone that, that meets the qualifications that you that you mentioned yeah well um with with the clan carmichael you mentioned you know that our clan lands are in you know south lanarkshire uh and that, that there's the lanark lanimer day is is Lanark considered one of the border areas? I know it's not exactly close to the border, but is it considered one of the areas? And is the Lanark Lanimer Day is that a common riding celebration, or is that something different? No, that is a common riding celebration. But um, Lanark is a bit of an outlier, really. Um, when it comes to it, you, you, you couldn't really call Lanark as being a, a border town. They wouldn't. They, they wouldn't want to be called a border town. Uh, you know, the, the, the Lanark show is a, a significant area, as you know, just south of Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, what I mean, that that tradition is just as good as any monastic tradition. It's been going on since fifteen seventy, and uh, it, it's clearly very much alive. But I, I've never seen it. Um, and I mean, this is the sort of classic. Um, uh, common riding, uh, even although you know they, the 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 folk from from Lanark weren't really involved in um, in the the the, the predecessor um, activity of, of of reaving. Yeah, that's what I wondered because I couldn't. I was I was trying to learn a little bit about Lanimer Day, and it looked different than a lot of the other common riding celebrations. Um, you said they didn't have that history of riding the marches, right? Oh, sorry. They, um, they did have the history of riding the marches. They didn't have the history of reaving. Oh, okay, okay. And if you think it looks, it looks different. I mean, there's the Lanima Queen um, is a significant part of the celebrations, and uh, floats or lorries going through the town in the procession. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very similar to what goes on in Peebles. Um, and each each town has very much its own. Uh, yeah, it, it, it its own traditions. In in Selkirk, it's really all about um, the Battle of Flodden, fifteen thirteen, and who came back from the Battle okay. of Flodden. And in in Gala Shields, it's all about some um, some some raid which um, has just about been forgotten by everybody else. Which where the English grabbed their plums as they came past, um, and so each each town has a a, a, a different. Tradition, 
Um, one thing that did surprise me, I had a, a look at sort of uh, Lanama Day. That, that I'm not sure of any other time where there was a pedestrian um, uh, checking of the marches. And apparently there's sort of large crowds of people do a sort of a, 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 a three-mile walk. Huh. And that, 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 that sounds great. I'm not aware of that being a part of any other town's common riding. Okay. Do they have, or with the Lanimer's Day, do they have the rideouts, the tr- like traditional rideouts on, on horseback as well? They do, well, yeah. But they have, they, they, yeah, they, it looks like a fairly short rideout. But yes, they have a rideout. That's interesting. Uh, so this is obviously celebrated on the on the Scottish side of the border now. Are there any kinds of uh, equivalent celebrations on south of the Scottish border today? This is this, this is a very interesting question, and the answer is no. Okay, and it's it, it it's quite difficult to establish why. Um. And I, I, I suppose in, in Scotland, rerules felt rather put upon by the English and therefore we're celebrating sort of, you know, our identity and, and, uh, and, and um, being still sort of up and about. Whereas in England, it, it, is not, it is not endured. The other thing actually in Scotland is thanks to Sir Wilder Scott, who connected all the ballads that... Um, well, masses of ballads that uh, were being were being sung and spoken around the borders, and a lot of them involved reaving. Um, that kind of injected more life into the whole um, the whole idea of of, of of reaving and common riding. A chap called Willis Stewart, who was a, a, a member of Parliament, and he was the MP for uh, Carlisle and the Berber. He was sort of kind of trying to see if there was any appetite for um, some sort of a common riding um, over the other side of the border, but I, I, I don't think he got an enormous amount of support. Hmm. It is really interesting that you know that both sides of the border were doing these uh, raids and and checking their lands, but but yet. Only on the Scottish side do they continue this, you know, these celebrations today. That's a really interesting, interesting point, and it and it does make sense. It sounds like what you've said that it's just kind of, you know, part of the Scottish celebrating their their heritage, and and maybe that's why they've chosen to continue it today. Nice. Well, tell me a little bit about um, your website and your your business, also the Reavers Road. Well, um. It, it follows on quite nicely from your earlier remarks because you were talking about the borders being a well-kept secret. Mm-hmm. And um, for the best part of 20 years, um, I ran a, a, a tour operator called Scottish Clans and Castles, and we were arranging for um, people largely from North America to come over and explore their clan lands and visit their castles. And um, they all wanted to go to... Uh, the Isle of Skye, Loch Ness, St Andrews and Stelling. And um, the Weaver's Road was an attempt to um, to uh, put a bit of a spotlight on the borders. Um, and uh, what we do is that we, we, we have feral kales and um, there's a, a commentary as you go around at stories and a bit of music and some poetry. 
and it is uh, it is GPS triggered. So as you as you drive along, um, the, the the commentary starts, and uh, um, you you are told what you're seeing on the left or the right, um, what you're about to see, and um, any poems or songs that uh, relate to that particular valley, that particular area. That's really cool. So that's so you can. How do, what do you listen to it on? Is it on on a phone? I, you, you, you listen. You listen to it on your phone, yeah. Okay. But uh, amplified through your car radio. That's really neat. I've never heard of of anything like that before. That's really neat. Uh, so you you drive the routes, and it's kind of a uh, virtual tour guide. Is that right? It is. Yeah, a virtual tour guide is 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 a good description. Okay, well, that's really interesting. Um, well, tell tell the listeners how they can learn more about about the Reavers Road. Uh, tell me what your website is, and I'll mention it in the show notes as well. But uh, how can listeners find out more about you and about what you're doing at the Reavers Road? Well, uh, go, go, go to the website, um, www.thereaversroad.com, and uh, you can have a look at the, at the, the trails. You can listen to um, a, a short summary of each of the trails. And, I mean, if, if you want to, it costs £12.50 on for uh, one of these trails. And frankly, if you if you take it at a leisurely sort of holiday pace, um, each one of these trails will t- take you half a day or so um, if you're going to stop and look at things as well as, as, well as driving along. Um, and uh, you can, if, if you want to uh, download the, the, the commentary without actually coming to Scotland, you can do that too. Okay. Um, I'm afraid that none of the uh, none of the trails at the moment um, cover uh, Lanarkshire um, or any of the uh, or any of the Carmichael Towers, but um, they, they 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 cover all the way along the border from uh, Berwick in the east to to, to Langham in the west, um, and so yeah, we're, we're we're very much on the on the border weaving and uh, march riding circuit there. Okay. You know, what I've found also is that even even the Carmichaels that listen to the show are, are interested in learning about all parts of Scottish history. So I think that, you know, even if it doesn't quite get up to Lanark and the Carmichael estate, that they would be interested in, in checking it out too. And uh, so I'll, I'll make sure to put up links. Good. You're very welcome. And, and did you say you could actually, you mentioned their GPS triggered, but you could actually take those tours from your home as well too, correct? Yes, you can. You can listen to it. You can listen to it. Um, yeah. Okay. I will check that out myself, too. Well, uh, Alistair Cunningham, I really appreciate you joining us today on our show on Carmichael Clan Radio. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you and a truly fascinating uh, conversation about something that I was previously completely unaware of. So I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk to me. And we wish you all the best of luck with the Reavers Road, too, okay? Good. Someone enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks again so much to Alistair Cunningham for taking the time to join us on today's show. I had a great time talking to him about common writings and learned a ton about the often overlooked part of Scottish history. Again, to learn more about the Reavers Road, or to even try a tour from home, visit www.thereaversroad.com. 
As always, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and to share it with anyone else you think might enjoy the show. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or subscribe to the new Clan Carmichael USA Substack page at clancarmichael.substack.com. I also publish the occasional essay on the Clan Carmichael Substack page, so if that's something that you're interested in, be sure to get signed up, and you'll receive all the latest from Clan Carmichael USA. Lastly, if you like what we're doing, please leave a positive review. Your reviews help to promote the show and to make it easier for others to find us. So until next time, toujours pray. See you soon. Thank you.